0: This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino.
1: Great to have you along for Where Parents Talk here on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Leanne Castellino. The exposure to trauma can create a lifelong impact. Whether a single event, multiple events, or other types... Experiencing trauma, especially for a child, youth or young adult, can leave lasting scars. Can trauma-informed parenting help? We're gonna put that question to our guest today. She is a licensed clinical psychologist whose specialty is working with children, youth and families. Dr. Nadia Hawk provides evidence-based strategies for behavioral and mental health concerns, spanning anxiety and hyperactivity To trauma. She is trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, parent child interaction therapy, and supportive parenting for anxious childhood emotion. Dr. Hawk is a mother of two and a therapist at TMB Psychological Services, which provides both virtual and in person therapy. She joins us today from Montclair, New Jersey. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. The concept of trauma-informed is fairly common in education. Trauma-informed parenting, perhaps, less so. We certainly seem to hear the word trauma these days more than ever in terms of modern parenting and just in the world today. So let's start, Dr. Hawk, by having you define trauma.
2: So trauma, in the way a kind can think about it, is usually if a child or a person is exposed to an actual threat or a perceived threat of being in danger or dying. So it could be something that a child directly witnesses themselves. It could be um, something that happens to them directly, hearing about something dangerous happening to someone close to them. Um, So that's usually how we conceptualize trauma.
1: It's likely also important to understand what trauma is not for our audience. Could you take us through what does not constitute trauma?
2: So a lot of things can happen to kids, right? Life is tough, so much going on, um, you know, from navigating social relationships, social media, all these different things. When we think about trauma specifically, it's really kind of thinking of something that may directly hurt them or something they've witnessed. So it can range from you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, community violence, natural disasters. So those are some of the things that we think of trauma. Um, what I would say is maybe not trauma, but still could be things that are important to think about. Um, you know, something that maybe hasn't directly Affected their livelihood or the livelihood of someone that they love. And it could still be a stressor, right? It could still be a stressor that is important to be mindful of and thoughtful of. Um, So that's how I would think about that.
1: You mentioned some examples there, and I wonder if there are any more with respect to the world we live in today. For example, there are various sources of trauma that perhaps even five or ten years ago, before social media, before the internet, we just would not have associated with trauma. Do you have any examples you can share?
2: I think lots of times classically, when people think of trauma, their mind does go to, you know, neglect or physical abuse, sexual abuse, even car accidents, things like that. And it is more nuanced than that, right? There is trauma, you know, just violence, you know, community violence, um, terrorism, there's medical trauma, there is um, bullying, you know, if it different levels you know there's kind of like teasing that can happen and kids say things like that but you know intense bullying a lot of those things are considered trauma.
1: The other example that comes to mind is natural disasters we've seen a lot of those certainly in recent years how would you describe the typical response that a child can have to trauma?
2: kid is different, right? However, we do notice a pattern of symptoms. And as a psychologist, things that we look for with trauma. So for someone, it could be that they are having a lot of intrusive thoughts about the traumatic event, right? So they'll be kind of going, a kid will be going about their day or even an adult. And this thought or flashback of the trauma happens, right? Um, It could be something like avoiding Anything that reminds you of the trauma, right? So, let's say you, you know, a kid, and you had a, you know, your house burned down or something like that. Something traumatic happened to your family, and you may have these intrusive thoughts about that, or you may avoid anything that has to do, like at the fire station or the fire, seeing a fire truck because it triggers that trauma, right? Uh, it could also be things like changes in a child's mood, their memory. Um, the way they sleep, their eating patterns. So a lot can be, you know, signs and symptoms of trauma that we
1: track and tell parents to monitor as well. So as parents are monitoring that, just as you describe it, at what point does it become something that they need to really pursue help for, whether it's the parent doing their own research or getting professional help? So one of the things that we like to tell families
2: to think about is if you feel like your child is struggling, like, you know, not doing well academically. So usually for kids not doing well academically or not sleeping well, not eating well, isolating from their friends, right? If you start to notice these like big changes in their life that's really impacting their day to day would strongly encourage parents to reach out and seek support. Now, kids, they may have a week or two where they're not, they're in a bad mood or they're not feeling well or their sleep is off or they're, you know, something is different. That happens, right? Even adults. But really, if you're noticing this change away from how they typically are and it's going on longer, you know, than a couple weeks, we really encourage folks to reach out and seek some support.
1: Dr. Hawk, let's talk about the impact of trauma on the young brain, on the developing brain, be that of a child or of a youth, a teen, an adolescent. What can you share with us that parents really need to potentially keep in mind as we navigate these different stages of raising children?
2: I'm so glad you asked this because yes, trauma, I think a lot of times you know, people separate physical health and emotional health and mental health and all these things, but everything is related and trauma definitely can impact the brain. So if a child or a family has gone through a traumatic experience, it can impact, you know, even for young, especially young kids, the way even some of their brain structures develop, or it can affect, you know, the cells, the way things work in their brain. Uh, And so it's really important, you know, to seek help if you need it when your kids are younger or really even addressing things as kids get older. But anything from, you know, just sleep, changes in sleep can impact a growing, developing brain, right? So if a child's not sleeping well because they went through something traumatic, that's gonna impact their growth and their development. It doesn't mean it's necessarily permanent, but it, you know, it's, um, you know, the brain grows until like age 25, right? So, so much can happen. And especially in those early years, um, so I think it's it's definitely something important to keep in mind um, and to
1: be thoughtful of. Let's talk a little bit about the types of trauma now that can affect the brain or affect an individual long-term and in some cases over their lifespan. What does that look like?
2: So I think... You know, different people it can it can look differently, but we you know there are research that shows that early life trauma can lead to you know physical health problems, chronic illnesses later on. Of course, trauma lots of times is what we call comorbid with just anxiety, depression, other things, and everything is really related because a lot of those things impact um, your sleep. It impacts you know the way maybe even how social you are. So many things impact. Uh, you know, some of these factors that lead to healthier lifetime, you know, healthier habits in the long run. Um, so, yes, there's definitely a connection between um, early life trauma and some difficulties with, you know, physical health, chronic illness, things like that.
1: Let's delve into some real life examples that many of us are seeing on a regular basis playing out. For example, violence in schools housing or food insecurity, the loss of a parent or the loss of a family member. These are all different kinds of trauma. Can you take us through the impact of these types of trauma on a child potentially and how a parent can support them? So, yes, so many different traumas kids
2: are facing today and to kind of dig deep, you know, and I actually used to work in a school based uh, mental health program. So I was working in the schools and a number of the kids I worked with had various, you know, types of trauma. So something like, you know, these active shooter drills and, you know, things like that. So a lot of the kids that I've worked with do get very upset when we would have those active shooter drills, right? So get a little panicky, you know, kind of worried what's going to happen, you know, and they may not have necessarily experienced one in their life, or they may have. So it's different if a child has actually experienced a scenario like that that will trigger them in different ways they may have flashbacks on the drills happening there could be different kind of physiological response or a kid just could be scared and one of the most important things for kids is for the adults in their life to help make sure they know that they're safe right so I think a lot of it whether it be teachers or adults one of the main responsibilities like my job is to keep you safe. I'm the grown up here, right? So I'm the grown up. My job is to keep you safe in whatever you know way possible. Um, so I think that's key. So whether that be in the school and the teachers, the teachers kind of do that. It's my job to keep you safe. This is what we're gonna do, and letting kids really feel uh, protected in that way. And I would say the same thing to parents. You know, letting your kid know that okay, it's my job to keep you safe, so you don't have to worry about that. That's what mommy or daddy or whomever is here for. Um, So that would be, I think, one of the big things and helping your child also be prepared, kind of knowing what expectations, having, being also consistent. One thing that's hard for kids is when things are surprises or they're not prepared for something. So letting them know they're safe and letting them know what to expect um, to the best of your ability, I think would be the most important things um, in that situation.
1: When we talk about the same scenario as it relates to adolescents, tweens, teens, young adults, in addition to the safety piece, is there anything else that's really important to keep in mind if they experience any of these types of trauma in their lives?
2: Um, So I think as the kids get older, and it's important that you bring that up because kids, you know, even a two-year-old is very different from a three-year-old, is different from a four and five, right? So a lot of, us child psychologists or child clinicians really often think about things developmentally appropriate. What is appropriate for my kid when they're this age, or my client when they're this age versus that age, and that changes a lot. So for an adolescent who has a little bit more autonomy, you know, probably goes out on their own a little bit more, you know, has some more of you know this ability to do things. I think number one, parents to letting their kid know that you know, I'm, you know, the adult here and I'm going to keep you safe and having a plan. If this were to happen, what would we do? If this were to happen, how would you approach that? Right. Um, So something were to happen in your school, like this is what I would want you to do. Send me a text and I'll be by my phone, you know, like having a plan in place, um, but also not being too alarmist. Right. You don't want to, you know, always have your kids looking around the corner thinking there's gonna be danger there. But I think the most important thing is to have a plan and having a plan for communication. And should they be suffering to be able to come and tell the parent that this is what I need. So having that kind of open communication.
1: Our conversation about trauma-informed parenting with Dr. Nadia Hawk continues. When we come back on Where Parents Talk, different kinds of trauma that kids are exposed to and the value of a trauma-informed parenting approach in today's world. All that and more coming up. Stay with us.
0: Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino.
1: Welcome back. I'm Leanne Castellino. We're talking about trauma-informed parenting with our guest, Dr. Nadia Hawk, a licensed clinical psychologist, child and family therapist at TMB Psychological Services in New York, and a mother of two. Dr. Hawk, why do you believe that a trauma-informed parenting approach may have value in our world today? I think one of the most important things
2: about you know trauma-informed parenting is this idea that for parents to really understand the impact of trauma, to understand what it looks like, what might it look like in children in general, what might it look like in your child, right? So kind of understanding trauma and the different ways it manifests in kids um, and, you know, for example, you know, I used to work with a lot of kids that, you know, would experience some, you know, intimate partner violence in their homes between caregivers, or there'd be a lot more you know, just like, um, you know, yelling and screaming, different things like that. And so for a child that has experienced intimate partner violence in their home, shouting or yelling could trigger them into a trauma response, right? And so being able for parents and even teachers, when I worked with, to understand, ooh, he's being triggered right now because there's a lot of noise in the classroom or in the house. So we're being loud and what that looks like in your kid. And then really responding to your child in a way that will uh, support them and not really further traumatize
1: It's a really important example that you share in bringing up intimate partner violence because it's also something we're hearing more and more about in the headlines, unfortunately. Now, when a family dynamic potentially includes intimate partner violence, how can a parent who's involved in that scenario step back and be conscious about the impact of that dynamic on their child?
2: That is um, <laughs> that is a big question, and what I will say. Well, first of all, if any um, person is in a situation that is unsafe, you know, really kind of reaching out to their own provider, their own primary care, whomever they feel comfortable. If they're in a situation where there is, you know, violence happening, as we know that, you know, that it's not healthy for kids to be growing up in a situation, um, you know, that feels unsafe. Then I would say to really, let's say there was a history in your family of that, being mindful that your child may be more sensitive to when people are yelling or screaming, right? It may trigger something in them that takes them to a dark place. And when a child is triggered, they may act out, they may throw things or they may yell, they may get aggressive. And it's not because they're you know, being bad, quote unquote, which I don't think any child is bad, but it could be a trauma response, right? So understanding the root of that, I think is important because that will then navigate how you deal with it. So telling your child they're safe, okay, you're safe. You know, sorry, we were yelling. I know that's hard for you, but you're safe here. You know, mommy will keep you safe. I don't keep you safe. Um, let's do something to, you know, calm down. Let's go draw a picture. Let's listen to some music, kind of just relaxing themselves. So I think it's important to know that when trauma is triggered in kids, it can manifest in different ways.
1: How would you describe the key criteria for a trauma-informed parenting approach? What does that include? So I
2: would say the main thing it includes is for parents to um, understand what trauma looks like in kids, right? So you're mentioning, so really understanding a kid, the signs and symptoms. It could be you know again changes in sleep changes in appetite changes they could be isolating it could be irritability it could be um act, you know being aggressive there's a lot of ways that trauma can manifest and then really trying to work with your child on having a warm and secure relationship. So I think that's one of the key things, like really working with your child. And if you're working with a provider, kind of working on having a warm, secure relationship with your child and then being very consistent with discipline strategies, right? As parents, it is our job to set limits for our kids, right? We can't just let them run around and do whatever. But what's important in a trauma-informed approach is that, There are no surprises, I guess you could say. So you're consistent with what you do. So if you have two kids and they fight, as kids do with siblings, right? They may get aggressive and things like that. If one day they get aggressive with each other and you send them to the room, but another day you take away their cell phone for the rest of the day, and another time you just kind of ignore it, that's inconsistent. And in a trauma-informed approach, it would be if you and your siblings, X, Y, and Z, you lose your cell phone for the rest of the day, like a consistent approach on top of having a warm um, and connected relationship, I think is really important.
1: Dr. Hoff, do you believe that in the world we live in today that a trauma-informed parenting approach in many ways is more important than ever?
2: I think it's an effective way to parent in general, right so let's say even if your child hasn't experienced a trauma or something like that, usually for kids I would still recommend I see families for various reasons. I still recommend that families, parents work on having a warm, secure relationship with their kids. I still recommend letting, you know, telling uh, parents be very clear with your discipline. If your child does this, this is the consequence that happens X, Y, and Z. So I do think they're in general, just effective parenting strategies. So I would recommend parents to take that approach.
1: Dr. Hawk, what evidence-based approaches can you share for parents to help them heal with respect to their child, helping their child heal and recover from whatever trauma they may be experiencing?
2: So what I would tell parents, if your child has experienced one of these significant traumas that we've talked about, right, where they have actually either witnessed something really dangerous or they have felt their life was in danger, and it could be some of the more classic things, car accident, um, or it could be some of these more complicated, you know, pieces like what's going on in the world, the trauma they may see on the news, the trauma they, you know, all these things. I do think if a child is experiencing trauma, recommend reaching out to even the child's pediatrician or thinking about getting um, some extra support. When child clinicians, psychologists, social workers, counselors, we work with kids with trauma, we include the family, right? We work with parents a lot too, because in the end of the day, parents are with their kids every day. So it's important for parents to have these skills. So we have a number of, you know, evidence-based treatments that we as clinicians do. Um, Some of the most, you know, ones that I primarily do in my practice, you know, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. So we have trauma-informed CBT. So that's a special kind of cognitive behavioral therapy that's trauma-informed for a child that has gone through a trauma. It is you know, we work individually with the child and also bring parents in as well to kind of teach parents skills, teach parents how to approach it. Um, another one, even for younger kids that we do parent-child interaction therapy, which I talked about, which works really closely with parent and children, younger kids, ages two to seven, not necessarily has to be a trauma, but lots of times if there is a history of trauma or something has happened, these skills are something we teach parents working on attachment, play warmth, and then being really consistent. So, you know, a, map, a balance between kind of doing your own research, uh, I can give you some resources that I really highly recommend, uh, but if you really feel, if a parent feels they need extra support, reaching out to a pediatrician, reaching out to a clinician to get that extra support.
1: What can you offer a parent who may discover their child committing acts of self-harm as a result of dealing with trauma? Definitely,
2: if a child is self-harming, I would strongly recommend a parent to seek some professional support. You know, self-harm and not to panic. I used to say, I'm a parent myself. I know if your kid does something or something's wrong. As parents, we, you know, we ourselves start to panic. So I think one of the things is self-harm, kids do that for different reasons, right? If a child is self-harming, cutting, things like that, I would definitely seek professional support not, they shouldn't feel like they're in trouble. You know, I would tell parents don't make your child feel like they're in trouble, right. Or alarm them showing concern, like, Oh, you're doing something. And I'm worried about that. I'm really concerned about that. Uh, I don't want you to hurt yourself and, and then seek, you know, seek some professional help because they're in, the treatments that we do, there's specific treatments that do help kids who are self-harming to kind of overcome that different strategies. And then parents will learn those strategies too to then support their child. Uh, But yes, I think, you know, it's okay to be concerned, but letting your child know they're not in trouble first and that it is something that you guys will work on together to get them help.
1: Dr. Hawk, is there anything that you're seeing in your practice and certainly within the last three years as it relates to this topic that really strikes you?
2: I think there has been definitely an increase in anxiety and some just like these worries that safety concerns of people that they love. And with that said, I will say that kids and traumatic we have really taken a trauma approach with everything that's happened with COVID. like this has been a huge life change for a lot of folks i will say that with the right supports and parents seeking the support they need and kids that kids are resilient though kids they do they you know they are kind of able to work through things and a big piece is parents also, again, letting their kids know they're safe, parents taking care of themselves, because that's really important. Uh, but I, we have seen a lot of, ex, you know, worries, concerns, anxiety, Um, uh, uh, You know, we address it and we
1: help folks move forward. Now, one of the other types of trauma that we hear more and more about is intergenerational trauma. Can you define and describe that? And what should a parent in that equation keep in mind?
2: A lot of people are talking about that, which I appreciate. I I definitely think it's important to think of not just ourselves and individuals, especially kids. They're in the context of their families. Their families are in the context of their greater families, right? We don't live in this bubble. So generational trauma kind of simply saying is really thinking about how, let's say an older generation experienced something traumatic, right, whether it be war, whether it be famine, whether it be, you know, something, and that, that doesn't just impact that generation in a way it does kind of trickle down to the generations after now it doesn't mean that trauma is like changing dna or anything like that but sometimes it can change the way genes express themselves and different things like that Um, so a parent if they've had a lot of trauma in their life that does can impact their children one of the main things i think to think about in that way is for people to work on healing, you know, their own trauma, for parents to get the support that they need, and for kids to be able to also get coping strategies um, to heal from, you know, whatever kind of has been going on. But I think a big piece of that is acknowledging it, and then for every, you know, for parents and kids to work through that.
1: Certainly a heavy topic and an even heavier reality for those living through it when we talk about trauma. As a licensed clinical psychologist, Dr. Hawk, what gives you hope? Kids honestly give me so much hope.
2: I will say I have worked with some of, you know, the most challenging situations and families, and really kids are so resilient. And what gives me hope is that slowly people are talking more about mental health, you know, uh, they're talking more about emotional health, they're talking about trauma the awareness is spreading. So that really does give me a lot of hope. And what's also given me a lot of hope is parents really, um, you know, parents also thinking about this more. I've had more and more parents come to me that really think about the child's emotional health and, and, and then they work together, you know, like parents really wanting to work with their kids. So yes, we have challenges. And when I see families That first come to me and then how things are by the time we're ending our work, you know, the warmth I see in families, the love that I see families enjoying each other again. Lots of times families come to me and it's a lot of stress. Kids are really, you know, having a lot of disruptive behaviors. Parents are really stressed. And then at the end to see families laughing together, playing together, enjoying each other again. I think that is probably
1: the biggest thing that gives me hope. Dr. Nadia Hawk, licensed clinical psychologist and therapist. We really appreciate your time and insight today. Thank you so much for having me. That is our show. Thank you for listening. I'm Leanne Castellino. Hope you'll join us next time.
0: Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.